You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Uh, we get the privilege of walking in uh, Mordecai's shoes today. And so as we think about where are we in the text, where are we in the story, uh, this Mordecai shows up in the book of Esther. And that's going to be in your Older Testament, and that's going to be between uh, the book of Nehemiah and the book of Job. And so as you think about it, it's 10 chapters. It's awesome to read this week as I was preparing and reading over the story over again. I kind of read it over the first time and then highlight everything. And then I go to Bible Gateway and I have James Earl Jones. I think that's who reads it to me. And he and I read it together. And the first time we read it at one and a half speed and I go back and I highlight more. And then the second time we read it at two times of speed and I go back and highlight more. And it's amazing to me all the things that are jumping off the page, the pages for me the third and fourth time as me and James Earl Jones are reading it together. I try to engage all of my senses, my eyes, my hands, and my ears to understand God's word the best that I can. And it was fun. And I was also wondering if my covenant eyes was going to go off because of what was in the story, but thank goodness it didn't. Covenant eyes is like a protective thing for your computers and stuff. And I was like, wow, this story is wild. So it's the book of Esther. We're a timeline. We're about 486 years before Christ-ish. 486 years BC. Let's take a look at this map so we uh, understand kind of where this story is taken, uh, taken, uh, takes place. See, Susa is circled over here on the far right. It's in current day Iran. And these Jews, part of our story, the, the characters, these Jews were dispersed from Jerusalem. And they were a long way from home. From home. These were um, uh, Persian Jews. Persia was taking care of this, uh, take, was over, over the area at this time. So just to give you kind of a, uh, a time frame, like this is way over here. This isn't, when they, people talk about in Babylon, we're over here by like past the Euphrates River, north of the Persian Gulf. That's where this story is taking place, according to the text. Um, so let's talk about our characters in this story. Uh, Greg did such a great job giving us a story arc. And in this story, we have some pretty interesting characters. Uh, we have Queen Fat Vashti, and she uh, was uh, dis- dis- disposed because here's what she did. Here's her great sin. As she, they were having these parties, lots of them, celebrating themselves. And uh, she was called by the king to come in and show off her royal crown. Do some research on that. Um, interesting. And so she was like going to come over and dance for the king and everybody at the party. And she was like, I don't feel like doing that today. And then they had this big, big dust up and they're like, what? She's not listening to you. Next thing you know, all of our women won't listen to us. What should you do about this? She can't be queen anymore. And so that's Queen Vashti. She's briefly mentioned in the story. Uh, the next person in our story is King uh, Xerxes. Uh, any of you sinners saw the movie 300? No. <laughs> that was the setup. You're like, wait a minute. I'm, am I supposed to put my hand up on that? The edited version. How about that one? So that's the king. Let's take a look at King Xerxes. Yeah, there he is, right? That's from the movie 300. He's the king. That's the king that they're talking about. And he is an evil, bad dude. All right, let's get off that picture. Don't cause anybody to stumble there. Um, so we'll move off of that. He's one of the characters. Another character um, that you'll find in here is Esther, or Hadassah. Her, na- her Jewish name was Hadassah. The book is named after her, Esther. And so she's a pretty prominent character in the book named Esther. And then you're going to have Mordecai, who we're going to talk about today, the, uh, her cousin. And then the villain, 
one of the villains, but the villain of the story is Haman. And uh, the Agite, so it kind of tells you where he's from. So when I say Haman, say boo! <laughs> like, like you're booing like Boise State. <laughs> One more time. Haman! <laughs> uh, like you're booing UW. No, just kidding. <laughs> right? Haman, boo! He's the villain, boo! He's, he's the bad guy in this uh, story, and we'll talk a little bit more about him. He's actually was kind of given a higher seat of honor in the, in the noble, uh, noble world. And then you have the Jewish people, and these are the Persian Jews, and these are a bigger character in the story. So I'm going to skip a, a rock across this story really quick, and then we'll dive into where we find Mordecai and see. I'd like to take you on a journey where God took me as we were, I was learning more about Mordecai this week and what kind of things that I can extract from his life and apply in my own life to be more like Jesus. So, uh, we talked about Queen Vashti, big party going on, she won't dance. Uh, Mordecai uncovers an assassination plot and tells Esther, and Esther's, uh, she's, she's in the loop now because after they got rid of the queen, uh, Esther got to uh, try out, have a beauty pageant, and she got to be in the, in the group, and then she had some access to the king, interesting. Um, and so, uh, he's like, hey, these guys are going to kill, kill the king. She tells the king, they save him, he forgets kind of though. Um, and then we have uh, the villain, who is Haman. He arrives on the scene, right? And so he arrives on the scene, and he's, he's coming in, and he's causing some problems. And then uh, we also have, uh, and he, really what he wants to do is he wants to take out uh, Mordecai and the Jews. So we have Mordecai, which is our, one of our heroes. Yay! <laughs> there we go. I like this. And, we're pers- and, and, and he's uh, uh, trying to help something. So... Uh, Mordecai is part of our, our picture here. And then we have uh, Haman who plots to kill Mordecai because Mordecai won't bow, t- bow down to him. He's, everybody's supposed to bow down to Haman. And, Mo- and Mordecai will not do that. And so then uh, uh, Haman has the, the ear of the king and he plots to kill all of the Jews, not just Mordecai. He puts up a nice, uh, very comfortable pole for Mordecai to be impaled on. And so that happens. Well, he doesn't get impaled on it, but that pull happens. The king can't sleep, and like most of us, when we can't sleep, we have the history of how awesome we were uh, read to us, and that's what happened here. So starts hearing about all of these good stories about how great he was, uh, bedtime stories, and then there's a story, and do you remember the one about Mordecai when those people were going to try and kill you, and then they, uh, they, they didn't because we found out about it because of Mordecai? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I do remember that. What did we ever do for Mordecai? Well... We didn't really do anything for him. Well, let me think, let me think about this. This is where the cool, like, this is super fun. Uh, kind of stick it to the villain, Haman. So here's what happens. This is great. This is not in your notes. This is in your Bible, in chapter 6, verse 3, if you brought your Bible. Uh, so he's like, well, what honor? What, here's what he says. What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this, for saving my life? And uh, nothing has been done for him. His attendants answered. The king said, who is in the court? And Haman just happened to enter the court of the palace to speak to the king about impelling Mordecai, who he just heard had saved his life. And so his attendants answered, Haman's in, standing in the court. Bring him in, the king said. So when Haman entered the, entered, the king asked him, what should be done for a man who delights in the king's honor? Haman's like, well, I'm glad you asked because I am here. Please delight. Uh, and so he's, he's thinking he's getting an honor. He's thinking he's getting something really cool. And so he says, well, um, 
he, he thought to himself, uh, who was there that the king would rather honor than me? So he answered the king, for the man the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe. The king is, the king is actually worn. And a horse the king has ridden, one with the royal crest placed on its head. Then let the robe and the horse be entrusted to the one of the, oh, the king's most noble prizes. Just, just awesome princess, just awesome person. Let him, let him be entrusted to, to somebody that would serve him. Good idea. Uh, let them, uh, let the, the, the robe, the man, King Delighton, uh, again, the horse in the city streets, let them proclaim before him. Take him around the city on the king's horse in the king's robe and parade him around and say how wonderful he is. Haman's thinking this is going to be a fun trip. And then the king's like, great idea. Go at once, the king commanded. Get, get a robe, get a horse, and do just as, just as you have suggested. For Mordecai. The guy that you want to kill, the guy that you've already put up a pole to have him impaled because he will not bow down to you. It's the Jew who sits at the king's gate. Do not neglect anything you have recommended. Do it all. So Haman does this. He gets back. Afterwards, uh, Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman rushed home with his head covered in grief and told his wife what had happened to him. Fun part of the story. So the next portion of this, uh, Esther comes in there and she's like, hey, this Haman guy is a bad dude. He wants to kill uh, all the Jews, even this Mordecai guy that you just celebrated. And they're like, hey, cool. Do we have a pole handy? Let's put Haman on that pole. And so he gets put on the, he gets impaled on the pole that he built for Mordecai and he's dead. Say, yay. Yay. We'd share death in church. That seems kind of weird. No, we don't. Uh, But he's gone. And then the king helps the Jews not die, and a holiday is born called Purim, and then you have the greatness of Mordecai. Story, end of story. That is a very brief version of what James Earl Jones and I read together. I would encourage you this week to go through this story with your, with your family. Go through this story and see how God uses very ordinary people. And actually, it's weird when you start thinking about all the Jewish elements of this and how they were used and some of the things that you and I probably would go to prison for that they're celebrated for. But anyway... I'm leaving a little meat on the bone for you guys to dive into this week. So let's talk about the highlights of Mordecai. So Mordecai, let's go to Esther chapter 2. And here's where we're introduced to Mordecai. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah who is Esther, uh, whom he had brought up because she uh, had neither the uh, father or mother. She was an orphan. And this young woman, who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. And Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. So here's the point I want us to think about that I was taken away from this this week. Do you and I have our eyes open and know God well enough to see what he cares about? Do we see what God cares about? Because it's fairly apparent that, 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 he, or that, that Mordecai saw what God cares about. And one of the things that God is pretty passionate about, and he says it in Deuteronomy, and he says it in Exodus, Exodus twenty-two, twenty-two. don't take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If she was beautiful, do you think people would want to take advantage of her? Yeah. And he comes in and brings her into his family. 
an orphan, a cousin. Deuteronomy 18, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, uh, and the widow, and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. Do we care about what God cares about? Do we see what God cares about, and are we acting on it? And our church is pretty good at this. If you're new to our church, you're going to become pretty good at this because that's what we do. We do things like service. We're not here to just to attend a church. We're called to be the church. And the church has hands and the church has white shoes. No, the church has feet. And the church gets out in its community and there's nobody too good to not get their hands, quote, dirty in the community and diving into people's lives. And so goes the leader, so goes the church. And I ask myself, Josh, do you see what God cares about? And is the church doing something about that? Are you, Josh, doing something about that? So there's a takeaway I had. Esther chapter 2, verse 10. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Every day he walked back and forth near the courtyard of, of, uh, the, of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Are we aware of the people God has entrusted us, how their walk with God is? Are we, are we checking in? You know, is this the church where we come and we're so excited and to see people get saved and follow Jesus and then we do nothing with them? Or are we walking along with them? Is coming to church walking along with somebody? Well, that's cool. That's a part of it. But what about tomorrow? What about Tuesday? What about Wednesday? What about every day in their life? Are you checking in on them? Is this a church of phone calls and connections back and forth? Hey, just checking in on you. How are you doing? And so are we a church that sees sees what God cares about and are we a church that's following along? Are we giving good counsel? Mordecai gives wise counsel. He's like, don't let him know your nationality yet. Because he knew what was going on in her life. Are we giving wise counsel or are we talking about the TV shows and who won last night's game? And those are all fun things to talk about, but do they have their place? You know, I just got a text message. I was like, oh, I got to take my phone out and turn my phone off. And I got a text message from my son and a picture. And he's like, dad, I'm thinking about you and praying for you today. And I think he was at church. I was like, oh, how am I discipling my son? Who's discipling my son? Who's discipling your son or daughter? Who's giving them wise counsel? Who's speaking life? into others in here who's speaking the truth, calling out their potential, their God given potential and helping them become a hope dealer to the world. He is walking with someone he discipled that he brought into his life. Our vision is to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time and not to just get him wet and get him baptized but to help him become a mature disciple of Jesus knowing God's principles and his word and knowing actually how it looks to live it out in their life because they walked with you as you lived it out in your life. We make biblical disciples in relational environments, life groups, me and threes, restoration night. He didn't just say, good luck, I hope you make it, Esther. He ensured 
the best that he could to his ability to be around her, to know what was going on, to give wise counsel. Esther chapter 2, verse 21. During the time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, the two dudes, uh, two of the king's officers who guarded uh, the doorway became angry and conspired to assassinate King uh, Xerxes. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. That was helpful. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were impaled on poles. Seems like a, seems like a habit. And this was recorded. See, Mordecai took a risk. I asked myself, Josh, you know, where are you risking for God? Where does it feel like God's got to come through or you're going to look like a fool besides every Sunday? Where in your life are you taking risks? Because what would have been the risk for like Esther, for example, to go into the king's court and she says it in there. She says, if I go into the king's court uninvited and he doesn't give me the gold happy point, pointing um, specter, whatever it's called, the pole, uh, I'm going to die. Now, most of us aren't being called to give our current earthly like lives and like actual blood like the 13 people a day who are martyred because they're Christians, the 400 people a month who die in this world because they say they're a Christian, they won't renounce their faith. But where are you risking for God? Where do you feel God stretching you and growing you to, to draw closer to him? I thought about that. Where am I risking? Where am I being stretched? Where am I growing? What does it look like? What does it look like in your life? Where do you, where do you hear God talking to you to take a risk? Esther chapter 3, all the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman. Boo. For the king had commanded this uh, concerning him, but Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. Then the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day, they spoke to him about it, but he refused to comply. Therefore, they told Haman about, about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated, for he had told him that he was a Jew. And this led to this, I want to kill Mordecai. So why wouldn't Mordecai bow down? Why would Mordecai take Esther underneath his wing? Because Mordecai was a Jew and he understood God's laws at some level. And he knew that he wasn't to honor false idols and he shouldn't bow down to these false idols. And it let me down a path here like, Josh, ta-da! what idols are you involved with? What areas in your life are you bowing down that are, that are, not, that are not godly? Do you stand with God? like Mordecai did. And what was the risk for that for him? It was pretty he heavy. Had Esther not done what she did, we wouldn't be talking about Mordecai, would we? Because he would be erased. So how do you and I stand with God today? What areas, and I hope this, this is not a like poo-poo beat you up like sermon. This is a challenge sermon. Like we're called to be equipped and to challenge, but where are you standing with God? Where is it uncomfortable? Where are you taking the risk? Where are you seeing the things that he, he cares about and you're getting involved in those things? 
It ends in chapter 10, and I'll read the entire chapter to you. The greatness of Mordecai. Somebody laughed because they looked at it. They're like, oh, it's like a paragraph. The greatness of Mordecai. Why isn't it, here's my question. I don't even know the answer to this. Why isn't it the greatness of Esther? Like she's, she went through a lot to be the queen, to have the king's ear, to have to do all those things. Why isn't it the greatness of Esther? I don't know the answer to that question. I just propose it to you. But it's, we'll read about the greatness of Mordecai. King Xerxes imposed a tribute throughout the empire to its distant shores. And all his acts of power and might, together with a full account of the greatness of Mordecai, whom the king had promoted, are they not written in the book of annals of the kings of Media and Persia? Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Xerxes from 300, the movie 300. Preeminent among Jews, held in high esteem by many fellow Jews. And why is he held in high esteem amongst his people? Because he worked for the good of his people and he spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews. You want to be held in high esteem when you reach the pearly gates, if there's pearly gates? You look out for the good of God's people. And look to your neighbor and say, you're God's people. You're God's people. This is an active, engaging sermon. Look to your neighbor and say, you're God's people. You're God's people. You're God's people. Cameraman hates me. You're God's people. Right? And we are to look after the good of all of God's people. Sorry, online folks. I'm still here. Uh, we are to look at the, for the good of God's people. And we'll be held in great esteem, maybe not in this life. But that's what this church should be known for. For how we love Jesus and for how we love his people and for how we're learning about, about his word and how we're, we're, we do this thing on Sunday, which is cool. And we have you know, 25 or 35 life groups that are getting together that are really doing life together and, and loving each other well. And then that spreads out into the community. And then what happens out into the community is next and next and next and next. Let me tell you a secret. Let me just tell you something I've been stirring on. This is not actionable, and all the elders are like, no. I'm thinking about, like, what should not happen on the Palouse because we are here? What should, get, what should we eliminate on the Palouse because of people like you and me? What are some of the things that are happening here, whether it be drugs, whether it be uh, widows and orphans? And what are things that a powerful group of God's people with the anointing of God could change on the Plus where it's like, nope, not here. Doesn't happen here. Because it's on the Palouse. You know we have a surface project in Garfield. A little ways away here. We have a surface project in Troy. We have a surface project in uh, Potlatch. We have a surface project in Genesee. We'll count Viola for you folks over there too. You can be part of the potlatch group. So like on the Palouse, real life on the Palouse, what is God doing on the Palouse with real life? Whatever his people want to do. Whatever his people are equipped to. People that see and care about the needs of God. We know what God cares about because we understand his word. It's, it's so complex, I know. 
I know, let's just stick with the first one of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Let's try that. Once we get that one, we can move on to the next one. But I'm still on that one. How are we loving our neighbors? What does it look like? How are we giving wise counsel? And what does it look like to stand with God? Does it look like we protest and we beat up, beat up government? No, we serve the people that are around us right here. We love the people that are around us, and we do our, our civic duties and all those things, but we love people that are around us. We're not trying to draw attention to ourselves or to our church's name. We're trying to draw attention to his name. I may introduce you to somebody awesome. I don't care what church you go to. His name is Jesus. And he has changed the world, and he has changed my life, and he can change your life too. Come and see. Come and walk with us as we do this. Finishing up, God does extraordinary things through ordinary people like you and I. Stand with God in his word, with his people, on his principles, with love. Look at people in, the, in their eyes like Jesus. You hope Jesus looks at you in your eyes. And he sees potential and he's just like, you are so awesome, Josh, besides those shoes. And he just looks at you and he's like, I believe in you. Go love on my people. And he, he blows the breath of life into your life and sends you out. Here's one of the most famous verses from the book of Esther. It's 4.14. And Mordecai's talking about, you got to do something. you got to do something, he's saying. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Do you guys know that no matter what's going on in our crazy world right now, do you know that God wins? Do you know that God wins? That he is in control, he's okay. That he's using people like you and me to spread his message throughout the world. He chose us. That's going to be okay. If you don't do anything, it's going to be okay. But, and here's the point, and who knows, but that you have, set, have come to your royal position, here you are in all of your royal positions, for such a time as this. Here we are, real life on the Palouse, for such a time as this. And what do we get to do with our time? Who will care for what God cares about? Who will give wise counsel to raise up the next generation of Christians? To raise up the next generation of Christ followers? That's not somebody else's job, that's ours. And it's not ours to tell them, it's ours to show them and to do it with them and walk. That we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community and who will stand with God at all costs? Remember last week, Philip? That was a pretty expensive price to follow Jesus, was it not? I pray that none of us have to pray that, pay that price, but I pay that all, pray that all of us choose to pay the cost. We're going to take this time to go to communion. We get the privilege of doing it every, every week at our church. Don't let it get old. We come to the table to, to remember what God had done for us, 
Just like the Jews remember it with Purim. They remember how they were saved. There's a holiday for it that still happens, and they remember how they were saved. Do you remember how you were saved? Do you remember where God picked you up and said, I got you? And if you don't remember, welcome. Maybe today is the day for you. Maybe after church today, you're going to come down here and you're going to say, I want to. I, I want to be, I'm all in. This life that I'm doing right now ain't working out the way that I want it to. I want to, I want to see what this life with God looks like. And if that's you today, we're going to invite you to come down and pray with us. And we want to help you walk. We don't just want to get you wet. That's cool. Getting baptized is great. But we want to help you walk the walk. So if you don't have communion, the guys will be coming. Ron is over there. Our other guys are over here. Raise your hand. We'll get you some communion. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is important. And you want to take it with us. If not, just you can hang out for a little bit. But raise your hand if you need communion, and our guys will get it to you. So here we are at the Lord's table. Decision time. Decision time of all of the stuff that you went through this week. Sometimes I need to lay some sin at the table when I come to meet with God and be like, all right, ooh, could you erase that one? That was a bad one, Lord. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. Oh, I, I could be a little more kind here. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. And so let's come to the table and meet our Lord again. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. He had given thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body. This is for me. This, do this in remembrance of me. This is me. Let's do it for him. Thank you, Jesus. In the same way, he took his cup. After supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember who we are. Lord, I thank you for making us followers of you. I thank you for this time as we got to experience your preserved word, a story that you've given us that was phenomenal about sacrifice, about love. Thank you for showing me this week, at least, Lord, the things that you care about and that you have equipped me to do something about the things that you care about. Father God, I ask for your hand upon every person in here, that their week is beyond blessed because you're in it. That as they take their Bibles or however they access your word, they open it up and they hear from you, Lord. As they pray and are involved in in other people's lives, Lord, that you guide their path. That you take us to points of risk. Lord, I'm scared to pray this prayer, but that you give us opportunities to stand for you. And maybe not in a way that we think, maybe it's not a political way or any of those things, Lord, but just a, a, a simple way to stand for you this week. Show that to us, Lord. Father, I just ask for your hand upon every ear that heard this message, every heart that you love and care about. Be with them, Lord, as they walk. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.